afternoon. Thank you all for coming back into our panel conversation. I've heard uh, lots of positive conversations. I had a chance to pop into various workshops and uh, really appreciate um, all of the energy in the room, all of the questions and the full engagement. So thank you so much for that. You know, I mentioned in the welcome that the Momentum Summit work is nested in national conversations around and national action around how to move student success forward at scale. And so I'm really happy that we have some fantastic folks, some thought leaders who are here on this fantastic panel, sought after higher education leaders who are leading change um, across this country in very important ways. And you'll have an opportunity to hear from them about the work they're doing and the connection to our work here in Louisiana. So I'd like to introduce them uh, to you and get started with our conversation. First of all, uh, right next to me, I have Dr. Ruth Watkins. Uh, Ruth is the uh, Strata President of Post-Secondary Education. Uh, in this role, she works with Strata Education Foundation on collaboration with post-secondary institutions, nonprofits to really build and advance a stronger ecosystem around pathways to prosperity. Now, she has been uh, quite a rock star in higher ed, uh, 16th president of the University of Utah, where she worked on making sure there were stronger student outcomes, stronger research funding, good fun formula funding, and lots of community engagement as well. So, Ruth, thank you so much for being with us. Delighted to have you with us. Uh, next, we have Julie Adams, uh, who is the site strategist for Strong Start to Finish. Julie provides support to higher ed systems and institutions implementing developmental education reform, co-requisite, we all know about that. Uh, and she's very interested in making sure that she's working at the intersection of K-12 and higher education, working with educators, working with students collaboratively to find the right solutions to move uh, work forward. So thank you, Julie. Welcome. Uh, next we have, hold on, John. John Lane with SHEO. Uh, John has been with SHEO since 2021. He's Vice President for Academic Affairs and Equity Initiatives. So he has been leading projects and policy focused on academic support, student success, and educational equity. He also leads the SHEO Equity Advisory Committee, a community of practice coming together to make sure that we are erasing gaps across the country. And I have to give a special thank you shout out to John because two weeks ago we were in DC with our student body presidents and they had an opportunity to visit with John and some of the SHEO staff before they did their Hill visits with members of our delegation. So John and the team had them well, well prepared around federal policy so that they could pepper all of the delegation members with questions about FAFSA and other things. So John, thank you for making that experience so incredibly rich for our students. Really appreciate you. And then last but certainly not least, we have a Louisiana girl, New Orleans native, a UNO graduate, and that's Dr. Nia Heidel. And Nia is with Complete College America. She's Vice President for Alliance Engagement and Institutional Transformation. She has 20 years plus of experience uh, working in uh, academic affairs, enrollment management, intercultural relations, student affairs. Uh, she was a leader at Dillard University, in the University College, in the honors program, um, and she also has been a sought-after voice 
as we continue to think about how to move important work forward for everyone. So Dia, thank you so much. So uh, a wonderful panel that's here to talk about this work. So we'll start by asking, I asked each of the panelists to give us a quick uh, overview of their um, most significant work and how that work is specifically connected to the work we're doing here in Louisiana. So we'll go in order and I'll ask Ruth to go first. Thanks so much. So let me first ask, are there some students in the room? Could we ask the students in the room to stand up? Please tell me there's somebody who's... Yay, thank you. Thank you. Excellent. And I think you are representing the center of what we do. So as we talk about some of these things, I hope that you will speak to each of us when this wraps up and let us know what parts of this make sense to you and what parts of it seems like we're really off base or we're missing something important. I'd also like to ask uh, the people that are closest to the action with students, faculty members in the room, uh, student affairs, support staff, could you stand up and we'll thank you for a minute. We want to let you know that we appreciate what you do. Yes, if you work in student affairs, if you're supporting student success, if you're a faculty member. Thank you for being here today. And I'd also, of course, like to ask uh, presidents, chancellors, provosts, and deans, we appreciate you as well. So can we say thank you to you for what you're doing? Yeah. Yes, stand up. It's good. It'll warm you up a little. That's good, too. OK, so from the various communities that are represented here, I think I really want to say how impressed I am with what you're doing with this summit in its second iteration and the shared commitment that you have to doing all you can to support the success of students in the state of Louisiana. It is an impressive effort and, and um, I'm cheering you on every step of the way. The work that you're doing has great connection to uh, efforts that we are working to advance at Strata Education Foundation. As a whole, the organization is working on strengthening connections between education and prosperity education and opportunity, education and careers. I don't want you to think that we are only thinking about economic outcomes, but we are focused on helping everyone who comes through uh, higher education's doors towards an economic threshold so that they can, in fact, engage and be part of communities and do all the other things that contribute. So we'll talk a little bit about some of those areas. But if you think about strengthening connections between education and prosperity through post-secondary education, that really works and functions better systemically for more individuals. How is Strata working to do that? Uh, there are really five areas of focus where we are making our investments in terms of grants, in terms of research, in terms of policy and practices and innovation. And those five areas, two of them, I'll just mention very quickly, uh, they're, they're important and a little bit less central to the conversation today. One of them is a data infrastructure that helps us better understand what outcomes students achieve after they come through post-secondary ed. Uh, the idea there being if we have a better understanding of what employment and careers look like for people that come through various programs of study, we can deliver better from our programs of study towards those outcomes. And the other sort of end of that spectrum alignment with employers. And I know you are doing a lot of work in Louisiana on 
what are the needs of your industries, your workforce, your opportunities for every individual to find a match with workforce? So that alignment to employers is another pillar. Now, the three for you to remember from today are, first, quality coaching. Our belief at Strata is that if every individual has a sense of the roadmap through their education, at the beginning of the process rather than somewhere later in the process, they will be able to connect more closely to, it, to that opportunity that can happen through education. So quality coaching, we're agnostic about who's providing it across sectors, workforce, to your institutions, for your institutions, but the commitment is that every student should have access to that kind of guidance proactively early in their educational journey. Second, affordability. We have a commitment to uh, doing, creating innovation, supporting you in your efforts, helping states think about how they use the resources they have to keep education as affordable as possible. We don't want finances to be a barrier for any individual as they think about their pathway through post-secondary education. And the third part, uh, that big middle of, post of our uh, areas of focus, work-based learning. The opportunity to engage, whether it's an apprenticeship, whether it's job first, where an individual then has the opportunity to access education from that job, whether it's an internship uh, along the journey of a two or four year degree, but the idea that work-based learning can really transform the educational experience connects students to better employment outcomes and very convincing evidence of that. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So those are kind of the broad ed connecting education to career, five areas of focus. The three for you to really think about today, coaching, affordability, work-based learning. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much. And I will say, I saw two students smile very brightly when you said affordability. So they were like, yes and yes. So <laughs> Julie, what about you? Yes, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me on this panel. It's really an honor to be in front of you all today. Um, if you attended the milestone session earlier, you might have heard me talk a little bit about this work and Strong Start to Finish. But for those of you who weren't there or those who might not be familiar with Strong Start, um, we are a national initiative that focuses on student success by scaling developmental education reforms across higher education systems and institution intermediaries. Um, we're particularly focused on removing barriers to college success for racially minoritized students, students with low incomes, and returning adult students. Um, and in terms of our most significant work, it's really the work that we do directly with uh, our sites, which are higher education systems across the country. We started in 2014, no, 2018, <laughs> sorry, with four sites um, that were really focused on scaling their developmental education reform efforts. So those things look like co-requisites, math pathways, and multiple measures, placement policies that um, are using evidence-based measures to really identify where students should be placed once they're um, in college. Um, now we support 14 uh, states across sites across 13 states, um, and Louisiana Board of Regents is one of our sites. They have been a partner of ours since 2020, um, and in the first phase of our work with uh, Louisiana Board of Regents, they really focused on structural reforms and codifying a lot of this developmental education reform work in policy. 
Um, so a lot of the, the work that has been going on in the state around multiple measures um, is in part a result of the partnerships with Strong Start to Finish and our technical assistance provider network. Um, so we're really proud to see the work that, that has been going on here um, and Louisiana has really been a leader in that work. Um, and you know we're so excited because we've been able to support Louisiana Board of Regents now for a second phase of work with Strong Start to Finish. Um, we just awarded them another grant late last year. Um, so we'll be working with them over the next few years, specifically going deeper on scaling co-requisite uh, reform efforts across institutions in the state um, and providing professional learning opportunities for faculty who are teaching co-requisites. Um, some of that work has been going on already uh, with Motivate Lab, so it's really exciting to hear that 160 faculty have been engaged in these co-requisite um, mindset learning uh, modules already. Um, so a lot of great work happening there and we're really proud to be a part of it and glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. And John? Uh, thank you, Commissioner Reed, to you, Dr. Denley, and, and to everyone. It's just been wonderful to be here and to be a part of the summit. I want to say about SHEO that uh, as a membership organization of state and system higher education leaders across the 50 states, and U.S. jurisdictions that we promote higher education policy, development, and capacity building with a particular focus in recent years on the student-centered systems change at scale that Commissioner Reed cited this morning. So a specific policy example would include more equitable credit transfer that minimizes cost and time to degree. A second example of our work is comprehensive student support in partnership with five states and the City University of New York to replicate CUNY's ASAP model that doubles the completion rate at scale with remarkable outcomes, especially for students of color. We've recently concluded a learning community on direct or guaranteed admissions and begun technical assistance on higher education in prison, supporting improved attainment and societal participation while minimizing the recidivism that you also cited this morning. So there's more, but I'll celebrate two examples of current work now, including work-based learning and more equitable statewide student success as well. We're enthused to dialogue the past two years with the U.S. Department of Labor and subject matter experts and to provide technical assistance on registered apprenticeships as one model. Our work began with a focus on responding to the teacher shortage, standing now at over 300,000 across all states. Uh, with a focus on removing barriers to access. So for all the challenges to the profession, there's still many who want to teach. Costs have been a barrier, of course, when teacher candidates are not compensated for the full-time on-site student teaching. That is an important degree requirement, but who don't have time otherwise to earn a living wage. So this summer we began a project on cybersecurity as another earn-as-you-learn field with partners focused specifically on servicemen and servicewomen. One more example is a new learning com community focused on enhancing a state systemness of equitable student success. SHEO is partnering with SOVA in four states, and my SOVA colleague, Dr. George Mahaffey, is here. And we're collaborating with Dr. Denley and provosts statewide to leverage current convenings current resources, and shared priorities to promote institution-specific but statewide environments of success that are based on priorities that states and institution partners identify, such as momentums 
pillars. And I can say more shortly about some critical work we've begun in student mental health and wellness. But again, all of these are academic affairs policies that champion a student-centered system of change at scale to support engagement more equitably. So thank you. Thank you, John. So many important topics and really appreciate that. Nia. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you, Commissioner Reed and also Dr. Denley for inviting me to represent CCA, Complete College of America here. I'm very excited. It makes me always so excited. I travel a lot to be in my home state um, talking to my people around the work that we're doing. And Complete College America is a national nonprofit who focuses on policy and advocacy to improve college completion rates nationally. And we define college completion by the attainment of um, credentials of value. We focus specifically, or we prioritize um, in students who have been historically excluded from college success programs, particularly focusing on students of color, students who are first generation, and who are from under-resourced communities. And we have made a conscious effort to shift our language to say that we focus on institutional performance gaps. Because we believe that if students are not achieving their academic goals, it's because there's something wrong with the system. And we are here to identify the barriers and disrupt those systems that prevent students from meeting their academic um, goals, whatever those are for them. And decreasing the time to degree. So really focusing on this and using data to drive our decisions. Some of the things that we are focused on, our priorities, I suppose, would be purpose first. And are we making sure that, and you, these will resonate with you because you're doing all of this work right now in the state. Um, purpose first, are, do students really understand why they're in the place that they are in? And are they moving in the direction that they need to to get where they want to be? So making sure that there's a clarity in what students are pursuing, their degree plans or their credentials, and making sure that there's career and academic alignment. We, of course, do lots of work with co-requisite support and making sure that we're supporting students, I mean, supporting institutions who are looking at development of education reform. Um, we have a priority now for working specifically with workforce and making sure again that we are creating credentials that matter for students and that will lead to racial, social and economic um, mobility. And just nationally in general, we have a couple of major projects around institutional transformation. And I'm so excited that Louisiana <laughs> has cohorts in both. So we have a project right now with historically black and, and predominantly black community colleges. And we have three institutions in the state who have been leading the work on that project. And they will help us to identify strategies that, will, that can be scaled to other institutions. There are about 51 PVCCs and HBCCs nationally. But to be able to scale strategies and solutions to those institutions to be able to advance college completion. And a year, two years ago, we were, um, and that's funded by Lumina Foundation, and we are also in the Bill and Melinda Gates Intermediaries for Scale project, which we will have 80 institutions participate in large-scale institutional transformation work. So deep work, really identifying what are the barriers that exist for students and being committed to doing the hard work and having the hard conversations around how can we do better? And I'm really, I keep saying excited because I really am excited. But um, we kicked off our first Louisiana school actually last week with our, um, the LSU Shreveport team, which, who were phenomenal, um, and with the Gardner Institute. And 
just the energy and commitment, the, the president was there, which doesn't happen in all the places that we go. And so I say that to say that I think that we have a different kind of um, energy here where we can see that there is commitment across the state to really do this work to get it right and to be a national model. So there are lots of things that go out that say that we're last. But in these efforts and what we are seeing here, we can see that we really are leading the pack as it relates to being committed and showing others across the nation how to do this work in a really responsible and, and purposeful way. Thank you so much, Nia. And thank you, each of you, for affirming the work. It is hard work. And so for all of you are, who are doing this work nationally at scale to be connected to Louisiana and to acknowledge the work of Louisiana, uh, we are grateful for that because, I, as I said, you know, this is, this is not for the faint of heart. You got to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing the work forward. And so um, I hope all of you feel a great sense of pride um, as we hear from these uh, individuals about how they're connected to Louisiana's work and how um, Louisiana's a luminary in many places around the work that we're doing and our steadfast commitment to ensuring we have student success at scale. So, so thank you for that. And Ruth, I know you mentioned three things we should absolutely remember, but I know there's one strand that we're going to remember because of what you want to share with us. Yes, thank you so much. So speaking of leading the pack, uh, we're going to talk about that for just a second. Um, we think you are with very innovative, powerful ideas and the fact that you're in this room today spending time on this topic and this issue. So a couple facts to keep in mind. First, maybe take a guess for me. I need a brave person who will just shout out a guess. How many people begin their college career saying, I'm going to have an internship? What do you think that number is? I need that brave soul. She says low, she a student says low. saying low. What number do you think? I'm I want to have an internship. You'll be surprised. About almost 80% of students begin thinking, I want one, I want that experience. Now, how many people are getting that experience and leaving with a work-based learning experience, an internship or a paid internship? Less than half, more like 40, yes, yes, and paid even lower, right? Right. So what does that tell us? That tells us students know this is a good experience. They know it would change their life and they're not able to get it. Here's another thing we know. Students who have particularly a paid internship have a big edge in terms of employment and earnings. It is a very powerful influence on a student's life, a transformative influence. You are here because you want to make a difference in that area. The only way we're going to get to more ubiquitous access, to meeting the demand, to saying every student who comes in as a first-year student and wants an internship will in fact have one in Louisiana is because of the work that you're willing to do at the level of departments and institutions to say what can we do from the chair I'm in to address that need, to meet that request of more of our students that does make a difference. For that reason, you're the, the hard workers here. You're doing the big lift. We are delighted to be able to lend a bit of financial support to uh, the Board of Regents and to all of you with a $400,000 grant from Strata to help you make this happen. So, uh, here, here, cheers to you.
I, I think this is powerful because of your commitment. Our job is to cheer you on every step of the way and provide some resources to help, but I really want to give your commissioner's office great credit for the vision and the energy, and even more credit to all of you that are willing to do this work to uh, say, how can we address that gap? So no student comes to college in Louisiana who says, I want an internship, has to leave without one because they weren't able to get that experience. Thank you for this good work. Go get them. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. That's exciting. Thank you so much. We're looking forward to uh, working on that. And I know there have been some experts here already that have talked about the power of work-based learning. Uh, so stay tuned. I know Tristan will be sharing, as I'm sure you will queue up in line to talk to Tristan about how you get access to some of this money. <laughs> uh, Mr. Momentum sitting right there, but thank you so much to Strata for um, that, in, that endorsement and that support. So we, we are excited about that. So I want to turn to John because I mentioned that John has been talking to students and supporting students. And I'm curious, John, as you think about what's top of mind in terms of big issues for higher education and what you're hearing uh, in the field and from students as you think about this work, what is top of mind that we should be thinking about in this room? Uh, Dr. Reed, as you cited, uh, SHEO hosts uh, Louisiana's student government president annually in Washington, and we're so enriched uh, with their insights about policy and conditions uh, that impact students. Uh, we talk broadly each year about college affordability, uh, on-campus and near-campus childcare for student parents, about credit transfer, FAFSA completion, and so, so much more. Last month, however, we engaged um, nearly the entire time on student mental health and wellness. SHEO is partnering with the Jet Foundation, uh, with the Louisiana Board of Regents, and with four additional states on a learning community to demonstrate to all of our members how states can support institutions in turn to support their students' well-being better. Uh, JED provided national survey data in 2022 revealing that 70%, 70 percent of all students who have stopped out of college or are considering stop out identify anxiety, stress, or other crisis circumstances as the number one reason they stopped out or planned to. In 2023, the number rose to 76%. Students can identify more of their peers now who are considering serious self-harm. Wait times for student appointments with crisis centers are frequently three to four, not weeks, but months. Centers are under-resourced and conditions are disproportionate for student populations of, of color. So three points for our state and federal policy advocacy. First, there's a growing national recognition among state and federal policymakers uh, about mental health and well-being challenges as college-going and credential completion challenges. Governors, legislators, state higher education leaders and other stakeholders are now allocating resources for crisis prevention and crisis intervention in unprecedented ways and Louisiana is a leader in this work. 
Second, it's important to center student mental health and well-being specifically as an academic affairs priority and not student life exclusively. So based on these survey results cited, students already have identified this as an academic performance challenge. And it was a challenge pre-pandemic. So how can academic affairs engage better with counseling centers is one question that we're asking. And supporting student mental health really means supporting both students and faculty well-being needs as well. So our inaugural learning community is asking what it means for provosts, deans, department heads, chairs, campus librarians, registrars, and institutional assessment officers to leverage the breadth of academic resources to improve responsiveness, to improve the student experience. Last, we think it's important to strategize centering student experiences and student voice in all our work on student success. What does it mean to give students the sense of agency to not only share their narrative, but to be thought partners in the policy space? So we have early evidence from a colleague at the University of Virginia that centering student experience and centering student voice in academic policy development and strategies helps to improve the student success and completion that Dr. Denley cited this morning, especially for underserved students. So we're really looking forward to the potential outcomes. There's a lot of work, but a lot of opportunity. So I want to thank you. Louisiana's got talent.